ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 27 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn about offers, promotions, and more at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. For my opening today, I want to talk about two collecting concepts that resonated with me this week. Things that were on my mind as I went through my week and had a couple different collecting related experiences. There's two concepts that stand out to me that are just reinforced. They're things that I've talked about in the past, but they came together this week in in a different way, a way that kind of reinforced that idea in my mind, and they both deal with non-sports cards. This entertainment genre that we've got in our hobby that many people focus on, non-sports, came together this week with a couple different things. And the first of those came from this announcement from Sportlots that they have have come together with a strategic partnership with TCDB Trading Card Database to kind of share some pricing and sales information with TCDB users. And TCDB is going to be providing a bunch of checklists that are not yet found on sport lots, primarily in the area of non-sports cards. And so this week they opened up the ability for sellers to load non-sports cards onto the site and then in the next coming weeks as enough cards get loaded so that there's a selection there for customers to shop they're going to make that live and sellers on sport lots are going to be able to sell non-sports cards as well and i've been waiting for that for a couple years and so that first concept is patience we knew this was coming we knew it was going to be a slow progression and ever since i started buying collections I would take those non-sports cards and I would put them into a three-row or a five-row box. I'd kind of set them aside for that future day because there was a lot of work if I was going to try to sell them singly on, on eBay. And a lot of these base and insert cards didn't sell for enough individually to be able to send into ComC. It, it did make sense to pay the processing fee for, for some of these cards. And so there wasn't a lot to do with them, but I knew someday if I could get them up on sport lots, it would it would make a difference for me. And so now I'm able to take those several thousand non-sports cards that have been kind of just sitting there quietly on my shelves, and I'm able to get those listed. And so patience is going to pay off. I didn't dump them just to get rid of them. I I held on to them, and now I'm going to have an avenue to be able to sell these non-sports cards, meet the needs of some of the non-sports card collectors out there who are looking to track down some singles. It's going to be great. I'm excited about that. But along with that, the second concept is when you're in this in this hobby, 
you, the learning never stops. You never stop learning something new. And that came as I was exploring some of these non-sports cards that I was sorting, listing on on sport lots. I came across some, some Fleer Ultra Marvel cards and I started to dig in. I found a whole bundle of inserts and I was like, well, I better look these up because sometimes these Ultra inserts can can add up to something and and I did. I, I found some Ultra inserts from this Marvel set that sell for, for quite a bit. So I put together a set of six of, of these silver X outs and that that set alone, these six cards alone sell for four to five hundred dollars. And so these had been just sitting in a three row box for the last several years, found six cards out of there worth several hundred dollars and was able to get those up on eBay, sell them almost right away. It was great. And I learned about some of the other insert sets that were in there that I had some other exclusive Walmart Marvel sets that were in there. And I just got to start to broaden my understanding of the Marvel world of the non-sports category. And so the learning never stops. It was it was a lot of fun to do that. And I can't wait to continue to dig in. Um, the ability now to sell these non-sports on, on sport lots is going to open up my consideration of other large lots that are out there that are primarily focused on non-sports that I might have shied away from in the past. And that's quite a bit of, a, of an introduction into what is going to be a, a pretty decently sized episode because I'm bringing on Brett McGrath. He's coming back to the show after over a year away and we're going to talk a lot about his maturation in the hobby you know when he came in he was brand new we're going to talk a little bit about that he was brand new re-entering the hobby had a lot to learn and that was what he wanted to document along the way and now that he's had a, a couple years in the hobby again he's learned a lot and he's continued to adapt and evolve and that's what we're going to talk about in our main interview today First, I'm going to tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors that breaks new product almost seven days a week now across Facebook, YouTube, and Loop, the app. You can check out what they're going to be breaking this week by visiting their site at udogcollect.com, or you can visit their brick-and-mortar shop in Knoxville, Tennessee to see their full selection of wax, singles, supplies, and you can even watch some of those breaks live and in the shop. And if you're interested in group submitting to SGC, they are an approved group submitter, and you can learn more about that process at udogcollect.com as well. And when you check them out, make sure you tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. Brett McGrath from Stacking Slabs is my guest today, and he joined me back in 2020 after a relatively recent re-entry into the hobby. And while a couple of years have passed, the hobby continues to change. And if you followed along with Brett's journey via his podcast, You've probably seen his perspective on the hobby evolve as well, and that is what I wanted to invite him back onto the show to discuss today. So, Brett, welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Mike, thanks for having me. Uh, big fan of your content, and I cannot believe uh, it was nearly two years ago that we spoke last. Uh, time flies when you're having fun in the hobby, that's for sure. Yes, it has been a couple of years since I've had any baseball cards burn up in a mail truck fire. That was one of the first things that that we connected over that that story. But yes, luckily I've had no more Mike Trout cards catch on fire in the mail truck. That's 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 good. Uh, definitely a memorable story. And while it happened, I'm sure it felt uh, you felt some pain. But looking back on it now, you've got a story to tell, and it's all about those stories. That is for sure the case. 
Well, a lot has happened over these last couple of years, and notably, you became a dad. Yes. So uh, it's crazy. Um, first time dad, uh, my daughter's turning uh, one here um, in a couple of weeks, which is wild. And I'm sure any uh, moms and dads out there listening can relate. Um, but it's just amazing at how quickly it goes and also just how life changes. So, um, you know, we all have our professional careers and, you know, we're, we're husbands and we're wives and when we become parents, uh, you know, all these priorities begin to stack up. I think for me, uh, life gets busy, especially with kids and it's the best, but you're kind of always looking for those extra moments and time and the escape. And I think, I don't know, that's why we, I think many of us do, uh, enjoy the hobby. It's an opportunity to, uh, when the little one's in bed and we're sitting on the couch with our phone and want to turn our brain off for a bit, um, we can turn to cards. So that's, um, being a dad's the best thing ever, but also just like getting those moments, a uh, few hours a night of rest is helpful too. And that's kind of where I turned to the hobby and just get away for a bit. It'll be fun to see as, um, she gets older, if she can sense that passion that you've got about cards and about collecting. And if you can see any of those tendencies with, with her as well, I know with my girls, they're less passionate about the sports aspect of things, but there's been certain things like Beanie Baby cards or Toy Story cards or some of those other Disney princess related cards, stuff like that, that they've they've latched onto a little bit and had some interest in over the years. So it'll be interesting to see if your daughter as well, you know, gains some some interest in in collecting and gets a passion for that as she gets a little bit older. Yeah, it's funny. My brother, um, he's on Instagram at McGrath Cards. He's a collector too. He got back into the hobby, um, kind of when when I did. Um, he's got two boys. Uh, they're they're older than than my my little one. Um, but he has began began to take his oldest to shows. Um, we had the Midwest Monster here in Fishers, Indiana, um, in May. Um, and it's coming back too. So I'm excited to go to that, but he took his son on the Saturday and his son, it was not necessarily like he, he does some sports stuff, but it was mostly like the Pokemon stuff that he was attracted to. So while he's collecting football cards, uh, his son's collecting Pokemon and, you know, it's just like a pack of cards. It's like the coolest thing ever. So just to watch, uh, younger generations coming up and kind of getting that same joy and satisfaction that we had when we were kids is uh, pretty amazing. And definitely I'm not going to try to push cards on, on my daughter, but she's going to see it and she's going to know it's a big part of my life. So hopefully inevitably that leads to some sort of connection of us going to shows and um, having the same kind of fun that my brother and his son are, son are having. Let's talk a little bit about your evolution as a collector over these last couple of years. You know, when we first talked, you were relatively back into the hobby. You know, it hadn't been very long since you jumped back in. You almost immediately started producing content and you were just kind of sharing that, hey, I'm having a ton of fun with this. And I wanted to start this show and kind of capture my journey along the way as I get into it. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how your mindset has has changed a little bit you know, over these last couple of years when it comes to collecting? Yeah. So I think it's changed dramatically. And I think, you know, when we get back into the hobby, uh, I, I'll say this first, like uh, professionally, um, 
I, I'm a professional marketer. This is what I get paid to do. I work in software. I create content. So that's what I do for a living. So I, when I got back into the hobby, I kind of wanted to take some of my professional skill set and apply it to the hobby and document the experience and do it via the podcast. And so as I was going through the research process of trying to understand the hobby, I, I realized quickly that a lot had shifted and a lot had changed from when I was last there. And so part of my approach was trying to get my footing, trying to figure out like what, what is breaking? Like, what are, like, what are graded cards? Like what sets matter? What products matter? Like, what are people talking about and try to do the research? And I would share the research and learnings on my show. And, um, you know, to me, it was, it's been a complete evolution where, um, you'd see people do one thing and it was like, okay, that's one flavor of the hobby. Let me go try that over there and see if I like it. And maybe it'd be something that I would let's take prospecting, for instance, maybe it'd be something like buying some unproven prospect and then trying to follow along and then quickly realizing, well, this isn't probably the most sustainable strategy because I don't really care about these guys. Um, and so why am I buying their cards? So it's just, I think, for me, it was that going through those iterations of uh, getting back into the hobby and probably doing doing what a lot of people do is, you know, going, buying, ripping packs and blowing through a lot of money and getting a bunch of cards they don't care about to going and buying unproven prospects and realizing quickly it's not necessarily something that I have an emotional attachment to or I'm having fun doing to then finally getting to the evolution where it's like, all right, well, like I'm going to spend my time here. Like, what do I want to do? What do I want it to be about? And I've definitely found that it's, you know, my connection to cardboard is trying to curate a collection um, that is significant to me and not necessarily anyone else. And through that journey and that passion of just like sharing my collection out, you meet other people along the way who might not collect exactly what you collect, but they are in it for similar reasons. And I find that like those group chats, those personal connections, you know, on Instagram or Twitter are really the motivating factor for, for me and why I continue to spend so much money and so much time doing this is um, it's like uh, I've said it and I know other people's do, but it's, we've all busy. We all have a lot of responsibilities and I just, when I am not on the grind and I'm not busy being a husband or a parent, I want to be spending my time in a place that makes me happy. And so cards and collecting cards of players that are significant to me and sharing that passion with others is certainly that. Yeah. I would say, I, you know, as I look back at, at the way your content has evolved over these last couple of years, you know, that, that definitely rings true to me. And I can see that evolution in you, you know, from, from your opening um, intro, which may still need a little bit of an update because <laughs> one does. of those first things was talking about um, you, you were going to be covering, you know, investment advice or, or ideas on, on, on ways to make money in the hobby and, and flipping the hobby. And, and as you've evolved, that's kind of not become the focus at all, right? It's, it's become, it's become focusing in on cards and players and personalities that, that, like you said, you're passionate about and building a community of other collectors that you get to, to talk and spend time with and interact with. And so um, that's one of those, those things I think for sure, you know, and it seems like for the most part, 
that revolves around football and wrestling at this point for you. Is, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, while I, I, I'm going to, I appreciate most every sport. It's, I, I, it's kind of, you peel back the onion. It's like, okay, where am I spending a majority of my time, um, you know, outside of the hobby from a, a a viewership and fandom perspective. And it definitely kind of wrestling and football are my, are my number one and two. And to be honest, Mike, it wasn't like that in and of itself, like that point was probably a big moment of, me breaking through and realizing that I'm not doing this for anyone else, but myself, when I really got deep into football cards, they're like, you'd have to go find the, I had to go find the other passionate football collectors. They weren't as uh, prevalent as, you know, people investing in basketball prospects and talking about it or nineties basketball collectors. Um, Obviously that has certainly changed. And I always, I I think like a big reason I I think is like the, the Mahomes and Brady Super Bowl. I think really opened the door for a lot of people coming in and collecting. And I think football cards, to be honest, some of my favorite people in the hobby are just football card collectors and sharing that passion and then wrestling too. It's like, I I think things have elevated a little bit ever since uh, Panini grabbed the license and, you know, the prism brand is its own beast. But when I jumped into wrestling cards, there's like, I mean, there are people maybe trying to make money on wrestling cards, but like, I just wanted to collect cards that I could identify, whether it was someone I was a fan of, of the youth or someone on current product that I appreciated. So there wasn't really a lot of flipping and investing going on at wrestling at the time. And, to me, that's those were the moments when I realized like, this is what makes me happy. This is this is the area of focus that I want to lean into. I've been having so much fun getting a little bit more into the wrestling card arena over these last several months. And you and I had been chatting some offline here about um, about wrestling, you know, a year or two ago at this point, And you had connected me with Zan. Uh, and the first time I had a, a chance to have a conversation with him because I wanted to bring in some more wrestling content into my show. And so Zan and I got connected and then that's led to other connections in the, in the hobby. And that network of, of wrestling collectors has grown. And while I still have a lot to learn about, about wrestling cards, um, it's been fun to plug in and, and learn more about those, those aspects and the eras that I'm interested in when it comes to wrestling. And so that just continues to to be a fun part. And I think, you know, getting into that community aspect again, the wrestling community seems to be a, a fairly welcoming community. Um, there's, you know, a little bit more recently, you know, with the prism thing that, that, that got some attitudes um, up a little bit, but for the most part, a very helpful and welcoming community and a passionate collecting base. And it's been fun to, to learn more about that as well. And so I, I think that's, that's pretty fun. I've been enjoying getting to see some of your collection get displayed um, on card ladder via the, the showcase tool. I was curious, you know, how, how do you choose what you want to show on, on the card ladder showcase? Because I don't think that's your entire collection of, of football and wrestling, but you know, there's 40 to 50 cards on there that, that you've highlighted. How do you, how do you go about choosing what you want to show on the the card ladder showcase? I, I, uh, there, there's no strategy behind it, honestly. And I, I need to like get better at, uh, I was actually just talking about this with, uh, my guests for this past week on the podcast, but like, I, uh, when we buy these cards, right. Like, um, you know, I think car card ladder, like I've been an advocate of that product forever. Friends of the, the, the kind of the founders and 
Um, I one of the things I don't do a good job of is like when I get a new card, putting it, updating it in my collection. And so I think the sh- whatever's in the showcase w- was a dump at the time of just like new feature turned on. Here's like some of my cards. Let me showcase them. So not really like there's no rhyme or reason behind what anyone can see via the showcase. And you're right, like it is uh, a limited view probably of my overall PC. Um, but I, I turn tend to turn to like 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 what many people do is like new mail day like if i get a new card like that's going to be published on instagram and i'm going to tell the story of like why i picked up this card or what this card means to me um so that's typically where like the latest and greatest of my collection is displayed so um while, while i love card ladder i use it every day um not necessarily using it to showcase the latest and greatest in my collection I see. I see. So let's talk a little bit about that, that collection. You know, you, we talked about focusing in and that evolution to focus in on what you're passionate about. That's somewhat been football and wrestling, you know, Peyton Manning clearly is, is a key part of that within that, within those genres, I guess, within those areas of focus, what else have you been passionate about? Like, I guess, as I listen to you, I hear you have more of an interest in, shiny right um mm. you know parallel shiny that type of thing versus some of the um versus a, a broad-based collection of of base and inserts you know while other people are more passionate about you know a broad-based collection of base and inserts versus versus shiny How, tell me about what is it that you seem to like about kind of the the, the refractor the shiny that that type of, of card, or am I completely off base? And that's not really where your focus is. You're not. So you're not off base. And I think at the end of the day, um, I've, I've quoted this before, but there was a very memorable moment that I had when I was talking to my good buddy, Kevin Randall to captain 37 on Instagram. Um, awesome Manning, Brady, Mahomes guy, collector, um, also dealer. Um, I asked him the question. I said, Hey, Kevin, like you've got, just an amazing collection. Um, I know you're kind of wheeling and dealing too. Like, what do you, like, how do you decide what you keep? And he said something to me in that moment that really resonated with me. He said, it's like, I always like think about it. Like I'm a kid. It's like when I'm holding up a card, like what makes me happy, happiest. And he goes, it's the shiny stuff. And that was something that I could relate with at the time too. And decided like, not, not in that moment necessarily, but it was a culmination of things that, that would that was going to be my area of focus. So I think any time that we the, the hobby is so vast, there are so many cards. You can be a player collector and you can collect on collect for days and get in a million different rabbit holes. There's different cards and parallels, and it's just it's endless. I want to be like, I want to be focused. And a good area, a good way to be focused is to kind of sh- shrink all of that and focus in on areas that um, mean the most to me or, or what makes me happy. And to me, that's typically shiny, typically gold, typically low print run. Those are the types of qualifiers that I have in place so that when I'm going out and collecting my favorite athlete of all time, Peyton Manning, I mean, you can think about all the Peyton Manning cards that are out there. They're still making Peyton Manning cards. Um, so for me, like I, I only collect his, playing year cards. And I just recently opened the door up to his Broncos cards um, just because there's cool 
cards in his Bronco years that, that I wanted to appreciate. So to me, shiny um, serial number, it's, it's a way for me to just shrink the hobby, see a little bit and get really focused. Let's, let's talk about that for a second, because that's a perspective that I always like to get from people or it's, you know, maybe something that I like to clarify because people mean different things when they, you know, use the, the same word and it can mean different things, I guess, to, to different people. Um, you know, you recently had some comments about case hits and scarcity of parallels and and those types of things and um, thoughts on manufactured scarcity. And you you talked a little bit about your focus on certain serial numbered cards. And I guess I wanted to, to talk a little bit about, about that perspective on manufactured scarcity. And I think it's one thing, the, the question that's been going on in my mind as I've thought about this is it's one thing to talk about um, the scarcity of a segment of those serial numbered parallels and inserts versus the broad based um, concept of manufactured scarcity. And I think it, that's where it comes into being something different for different people, because going after I like, for instance, I love gold serial number to 10, right. Is one thing versus every card serial number to 10 is equally as important <laughs> when there's thousands of different cards that are serial number to 10, right? So from your perspective, how do you think about which of those low numbered or, or serial numbered cards are meaningful to you versus any serial numbered card being important to you? It's a can of worms. Uh, and I, when I, when I put that information out on just like the, the re I, by, by no means, like I know people get excited about case hits, like modern Panini case hits, people are excited. And I, I was not trying to rain on anyone's parade who loves downtowns, who love kabooms, who love color blast. My, the intention of me presenting the data in just one slice via, I'm going to get to your answer your question, but just want to set the stage. The, the intention of it was for me, when new people are coming in and they're on TikTok and they're on uh, Twitter and they're on Instagram and they're seeing breakers go nuts about pulling these cards and like, you know, praising these cards. Like I, I want new people who are coming in to understand that, yeah, these are case hits, but like, let's not overpay for these case hits because in fact, like the example I have was like Justin Herbert, PSA 10 alone. I think his downtown and his rookie year, there's 129 PSA 10s, just PSA 10s. So, um, you know, you multiply that by BGS slab cards, ungraded cards, SGC, like then there's probably a lot of these things. So I, I definitely ruffled some feathers and I'm totally okay with that. Literally today I get DMS that say, I just listened to that episode. Thank you so much for bringing awareness to this. I got other DMS saying, I can't believe you said this information. Like, how dare you? But like, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just trying to share my point of view and use data to help support it. Now that's on the case hit fronts, how, like my position, but then on the, how do I decide what I collect? Typically for me, it's, I think product um, and brand play a really important role. And I, I think first and foremost, like the card has to look cool, has to have great photography. It has to ha have some sort of significance in the hobby. And that's, probably it has some staying power it's not just a one and done 
Um, so that's kind of what I look at. So I think easy, like primarily, if you go and look at my PC right now, I would say large majority of my PC would be tops, Chrome gold cards, uh, super fractors. If I'm lucky to get it tops, finest gold cards, um, prism gold cards. Now those cards are, are, are relevant. Those cards have staying power. Um, those cards, a lot of different collectors like, so that's kind of what, where I roll, not saying like I've been totally into 2014, totally certified recently, because I think the cards look amazing. Uh, I know there's some traction with some basketball collectors that like that. And I began, begun to see some, uh, football card collectors like that, but I love the mirror parallel. So I've been diving into that one and that might be an exception to my own rule. So I don't try to pigeonhole it, but I, I do, I think it's important for me again, when I'm trying to shrink this massive sea of options to just get really focused and typically Chrome finest prism, those tend to be my primary area focus, low number, um, gold, parallels um one of ones if i'm lucky enough to get in a conversation where one of those is available so that's typically how i roll yeah i think that's that's good commentary and i i think what i like about it is you've narrowed your focus of the types of cards that are interested or interesting to you so that when those cards are serial number to 10 or serial number to 50 or whatever it might be there truly is some scarcity for you as a collector because of where your focus is at. And I think the, the thing that catches some newer collectors when they come in is they see, oh, serial number to 50, every serial number to 50 card is automatically scarce. And no, it's, it's really only scarce for the people who are interested in that specific parallel or that specific color because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of serial number to 50 cards of that player when you span all the different sets that are out there and inserts that are out there and that type of thing. And so not every serial numbered card is, is the same. It really comes down to where are you as a collector passionate about um, when it comes to that particular set parallel or whatever. And I think that's a key distinction that a lot of people miss. And so I, I wanted to to chat with you a little bit about that to, 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 I guess, share, share some clarity for that broader collecting base when it, when it comes to those types of things, because there's a difference between that and other sets that are out there where there might only be 500 total cards made of that set. There's not parallels. There's not anything else. It's just, there was 500 of those, those made or racks, roast beef wrestling cards, right? What was there? A thousand total sets made of, of racks, restaurant wrestling cards out there. And so that's scarce or rare in a completely different way than than some of these other cards we're we're talking about. And um, I just think it's a great conversation for people to have and and learn about. Yeah, I, uh, I so there there's been a conversation that I've been having. So the the there's so many different nation states in the hobby and people who do the hobby and are in the hobby who either have an in, one intention, who want to invest, someone who wants to collect. Um, and you keep drilling and then there's layers upon layers. Yep. And sometimes like when we say something, someone hears something else, but what like, and it's just like having a conversation like this, it's just to provide clarity. Um, and at the end of the day, like, I don't know, like it's interesting to me, some of the animosity I got for some of the information that I shared, 
And I click in the page and look and, you know, maybe their whole page is full of case hits and maybe I ruffled their feathers a little bit. But what happens is you have a chat and have a conversation and things get cleared up pretty quickly. So that that's another thing I, I find, like whether it's conversation on parallels, case hits, whatever, it's like it's take a step back and like engage in a chat with someone. And usually it's just differing point of views. And when I try to engage with individuals that might think differently than me it and they want to have a conversation, I'm not talking about like wasting getting on the phone for 30 minutes and having a chat, but just a few <laughs> sentences back and forth. Um, typically like things get cleared up and then you go on your way and both people feel pretty positive about it. Yeah, I think one of the the other key things about that whole idea, right, is whether it's this or any other other topic that people have um, a, a deep passion about, is that you know we've talked about it already today. There's there's so many different ways to collect, and there's so many different angles that you can take. There's not necessarily a right or wrong, and to simply share what interests you the most, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think the the time when people can start to have a little bit of a beef with me is if I tell them or I seem to come across saying that my way is the only way. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing it my way, then you're wrong. And if I and if I come across that way, by all means, call me out on it, because at the same time, I'm trying to tell people, find things that you're passionate about and, and find things that you can collect that you're passionate about and, and pursue that. And so I, if if people jump to that conclusion, I think that can get us into trouble as content creators sometimes when that's not really what our intention is and that's not really what we're all about. Re retweet, I do want to call out the fact that, and you did say racks, wrestling cards. You mentioned racks and then you just talked about beefing with someone. So I felt that was a little <laughs> bit, a bit ironic in a way and it's making me hungry. <laughs> there you go. Hey, let's talk a few minutes about your show. You know, you're still going strong with two episodes a week. And I, when I started my show, it was two episodes a week. And it it didn't take too long before I realized that I was going to need to go down to one. I was not going to be able to continue with two. But you're still going strong with two episodes a week. What are some things you've learned about content creation over these last couple of years? Um, you definitely make yourself um, vulnerable a, a little bit. And you open yourself up, but I think that's really good from a, again, this is the marketer and me talking um, from an authenticity brand building perspective, like being upfront and honest, people love, people connect with that. Um, and I think that's why so many people might with some other creators, they have a disconnect is because people are, are asking themselves, they're saying, is, is this person being real with us right now? And so like, I think for me, that's always been my mission with the show is just like, be upfront, be real. This is who I am on the show. Um, but I've also found like, it's really become a part, like we're chatting right now and it's part of my, the afternoon of a Friday, which is typically lighter. Um, but I schedule recordings, you know, in afternoons on my workday, it's just an extension of my, 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 my workday it's, uh, but I get to talk about cards a little bit. So it's a little more fun than software. I can tell you that. Um, I love what I do, but I love cards even more. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been fun. I think most importantly, just the opportunity to meet people one-on-one -on -one like we're doing here and learn about them and the why behind their collecting. It's really motivating. And, um, it's really kind of what motivates me to keep doing it. Um, and also like 
it's inspiring. And I think there's a big difference between like being inspired by someone in their collection and then being influenced by someone in their collection. So, um, yeah, I love it. It's, uh, I, yeah, two episodes is maybe a lot, but, um, it's kind of just what I do and it's how I'm doing it now. And we'll see if it changes at some point, but, um, for now we'll, we'll keep it running. I was going to ask what you enjoy most about it, but is it the the connections to other people and the opportunity to, to meet other collectors within the hobby? Is that what you enjoy most? The stories. I love the stories. I love giving someone the space to just share their story. And while it might not be the same way as me, it might not be the same collection or player as me. There's so much to relate with. And I don't know the more that I think we can tell stories about the cards and the reason why we're in the hobby, like the better. And that's really kind of been my pri primary area and intention with the show recently. It's just give like, I've been fortunate to, with consistency of the show to build a platform where people come and they want to listen to me every week, which is, I, I am very grateful for it, but I want to make sure that I give space on the platform that I'm building to collectors to talk about why they love sports cards to help balance out this um, hobby that at times seems a little bit one-sided on the here's the trendy new player let's go make a lot of money off of them like there's a lot more there's a lot of cool stuff happening but sometimes those stories don't get told so that's been my intention with the show is just give space to the collectors. I think that's one of the things I love most about doing the show and getting a chance to have some of these conversations with folks like you, other collectors, other content creators, is that we collectively are in an era where we're, we're narrating the history of the hobby at this point in time better than anyone has ever been able to do in the past, right? Like it was hard. If you want to go and, and look up content and hear interviews about um, big collectors or big dealers or changes in the hobby from the 60s, 70s, 80s, it's tough. I mean, there's a couple books that were written out there. There's, you know, a, you'd have to dig up the series of Beckett magazines from that era, you know, to, to learn about what's going on. But we collectively are laying down audio and video with hundreds and thousands of conversations, you know, from, you know, this last eight to 10 year period since YouTube started and, and podcasts got going. And I think people are going to be able to look back at this time period in the future and have a great understanding of what was going on and what was on people's minds and how things were changing. And I think being a part of that is really cool. One, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, sometimes it's, you think about the hours and the energy and everything that goes into the content creation side I, it almost becomes just like the hobby sucks you in. It almost becomes the same thing where it's like, man, this is just, this is just what I do. And um, I feel like I'm contributing and I feel like I'm meeting the people that I would have never met before. Um, and hopefully helping some people along the way. I'm sure you get the same messages, Mike. It's people just saying, thank you. It's like that gratitude, like, it's real. Like that's the fuel that keeps me going. Like it, just knowing that someone who was in a similar spot than me is finding value from listening to my experiences or someone else on the show. It just makes it all worth it. 
Brett, we've talked a little bit about your collection and your collecting focus. I always like to give an opportunity to put the word out for anything that you've been looking for, that you've been having trouble finding, just in case somebody out there knows where, where a copy of that card might exist. Is there anything that you're trying to track down at this point that you wanted to kind of put the word out on? This is dangerous. So there's always uh, so many different things. I, right now, it's I'm building a lot of continuity in my collection between uh, I, my primary focus and my North Star would be Colts quarterbacks, past and present. So uh, primarily Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers. Although it was one year with Rivers, it just the appreciation I had in that one year um, it was significant. And then Matt Ryan, obviously today. So. I'll say this because I could go on forever on this, but uh, on the Matt Ryan front, I am in the process of uh, completing his gold prism run, but I need 2012, which obviously is a challenging one, and 2013, which ironically, I have the black finite 2013 Matt Ryan, but I don't have the gold. And then I need um, 2020. So if you... Have any leads on 2012, 2013, or 2020 gold? That would be helpful as I am trying to complete that run. If anybody out there can help Brett track those down, get in touch with either one of us. I know he would appreciate it. Brett, I love your passion for Colts quarterbacks. Jumping in headfirst to these these quarterbacks as they come to the team, not even waiting a game to see if they're going to work out or not. The moment they are signed, you are are going down that path just to start to track some of these guys down. It's it, you know, it's uh we 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 collect cards and there's um there's a fandom associated, there's optimism associated with it. I'm a cold season ticket holder. I live a mile away from Lucas Oil. When I need a break from work, I go out and visit the Peyton Manning statue. So when I stack rank the importance of all the things I'm a fan of, the Colts are number one. And obviously the quarterback position since Peyton Manning was here is um, it's, it's very important. There's a lineage um, all the way back to United. So uh, it might not work out all the time. We won't mention some names, but I felt pretty good about Matt Ryan coming in and just, you know, top 10 all time in passing yards and touchdowns. And um, just that's the fun part. It's I've gotten a chance to meet Matt Ryan fans, collectors from the Falcon days, and they're all rooting him on here. And uh, he's, he's seems just like a stand up guy and I'm excited for him to be here. So diving head first into it. And I hope he's around here for a while. Hey, I really appreciate you spending a few minutes today, catching up, giving a chance for us to chat a little bit, hear how your um, collecting thoughts and your mindset has evolved over these last couple of years. Before we go today, make sure you tell people where they can find you and find your show. Yep. Stacking slabs um, on all, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I drop new episodes uh, Wednesday, which is usually kind of a this is what's on my mind solo episode. And then I bring in collectors on Friday, um, active on Twitter, mostly Instagram though, at stacking slabs, shoot me a DM. Would love to meet you. Thanks again, Brett. Thanks Mike. Like the athletes we admire, the sports card shop is changing the game. 
We're not launching threes, bombing drives, or hitting dingers, but we have built a unique gathering spot for all collectors to trade cards, talk sports, play games, and watch their favorite athletes on the big screens. Yes, we've partnered with Panini, Upper Deck, Leaf, Tops, Fanatics, Pokemon, and others to bring you all the latest in sealed wax and singles. But the sports card shop in New Buffalo, Michigan is much, much more. Our recent expansion brings collectible sneakers, Hot Wheels, and more sports and entertainment memorabilia into the mix. Our new Collector's Cave game room is the perfect place to throw a rip party, bring friends, rip packs, trade cards, play billiards, ping pong, shuffleboard, classic arcade, and Xbox games, all while watching your favorite sport on TV. Visit us at thesportscardshop.com. Follow us on social at underscore sportscardshop or better yet, visit us in person to learn about special events, party packages, new products, and everything we're doing for you. The Sports Card Shop, connecting people, sports, and the hobby around the world. Brett has a passion for collecting that comes through in every episode that he releases. And it's done a lot for inspiring me to think differently about the way that I collect. It's taught me about certain products that I've never been interested in before, that I had never heard much about before. The collectors that he brings on do the same thing. And it's it's caused me to think holistically about the, the ways that people collect, the enjoyment that people get out of the hobby. It reinforces that there's no one way to go about building a collection that is meaningful to you. And I really appreciate that about Brett and the way that he does his his show. Check it out if you haven't already. Well, that is all I have for you today. I would love for you to reach out and give me some feedback on what you think about the show. Reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer, uh, by email at WaxPackHero at gmail.com, on Instagram and TikTok at WaxPackHero. Let me know what you think. Let me know what else you would like to hear about. I'll catch you next time.